Welcome, everybody, to the Apex Sunday podcast. We're hosted by two petrol heads, myself, John Dowsett, and Rob Ross. And this is the podcast that banters and rambles on about Formula One races, news, and events. Rob, what, what, what do you think of the start of silly season? Is there anything happening? I think it's mostly Bottas, right? He's been rumored to go to Alfa Romeo, to Williams, completely out of F1. Toto Wolff has said he wants to find a spot for him in Formula One if they select Russell, which hasn't been determined yet. We've got Gasly looking for a Red Bull seat again. And if not, where does he go after that? I'm not sure. Other than that Villeneuve article you pointed out, suggesting that Stroll might go to Mercedes and swap with Bottas. What do you think of the silly season so far? It makes me laugh every time. I think it would be great to see Lanny at at Mercedes. Mm -hmm. I don't think Hamilton wants anybody with any meat on the bones. I think he wants, you know, a Bottas or he wants somebody that's a bit tired or I don't think he wants an Alonso or another champion contender in there. And I think Russell is clearly a champion contender. I'm wondering what's going to happen with Kimi. I'm tired of hearing that he's the oldest driver in the field. Right. <laughs> Both those drivers are apparently in jeopardy, at least Alfa Romeo saying they're willing to have two new drivers next season. Having said that, they said Giovinazzi's on their list still. I guess he has improved this year. The teams at the back, though, it's always a bit difficult to understand what's going on exactly. So the first thing that struck me about qualifying was the track temperature was 63 degrees, which is 20 degrees over the average track temperature, (laughs) which makes for some interesting variables, right, with the tires and so forth. Was heat or cold ever a factor when you were racing? Tire temperature was, but uh, I think with the kind of rubber, I wasn't using rubber at that kind of pointy end that these guys are using and didn't have the opportunity to change it at the same frequency as they did. But they do seem very, very sensitive. If you don't get the tires right, you're not going anywhere in this sport. The one thing that Karun brought up mm-hmm. was, if I think it was Karun, maybe it was Nico, who said the first three laps on the hard tires are very important. If you take it easy, then you get way more performance out of the tire. Yeah. And what they didn't explain is, is that first heat cycle mm-hmm. is really, really important. If you get it right up to temperature and start burning it at temperature right off the top, yeah, it's not going to last long. But if you basically inure it, so what you're doing is you're getting it hot, cool it down a little bit. It makes the compound last way longer mm-hmm. and stay just as sticky. It's kind of hard to explain, but I guess it's taking a bottom layer of the rubber and making it hard. I'm not too sure exactly what, how, what the mechanics are of it. Right. And they still call it rubber, but it's probably not rubber anymore, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I noticed uh, Perez had a poor showing in Q1. Schumacher obviously was unable to participate because of the FP3 crash. And Russell didn't make it out of Q1 for the first time this season. And Ricardo barely made it through. And Sunoda was way off Gasly. But other than that, you know, that's just Q1. We always see a little bit of unusual placements. Poor Carlos. Sorry? Poor Carlos. I mean, it's nice seeing him push, but he pushed a little bit too hard, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. In Q2, science crashes, so we get another red flag, and there's been a lot of red flags this year. I don't know how many there usually are in a season, but it seems there's been a lot. 
but we saw Leclerc, Alonso, Vettel, and Gasly get into the top 10 in Q2. Bottas and Perez were there, but they're a bit further back than we expected. And Ricardo and Stroll did not make it. And you notice that Perez and Verstappen both needed the soft tires to make it through to Q3. Yes. So I thought that was interesting for the race, but turns out it wasn't a factor in the race. On top of this, though, you can look at, again, what you mentioned earlier of a 65-degree track. And do you want to cook your tires on the lead-up lap to your qualifying run? Him driving so slowly, it just makes sense. Finally, Q3, Gasly and Norris again outstanding, getting in the top 10. The Perez running out of time at the end, not a factor because everyone's last run was slower, but people were going on about Lewis playing games and so forth. But again, I thought when they zoomed out, you saw Bottas ahead of Lewis going basically the same speed. So I don't understand what all the nonsense is about. Although having said that, the two weeks before this race, you know, it was Red Bull constantly whining about Lewis Hamilton for the last two weeks. So I'm sure that's a factor in the booing and all that kind of stuff. And also, it's not his problem. He's not responsible for when Red Bull goes out and dictating their pace and so forth. So why are they complaining about him? It's Red Bull just seemed to point fingers everywhere. And the last two weeks, I found it kind of embarrassing for Red Bull, basically. But you already know my feelings about their management. And again, I was not impressed by their going on about, we've got new evidence when it was just not new evidence. It was just run this simulation, take a look at this kind of thing. And that all got rejected. Uh, they, they probably have Nigel Mansell as, as a consultant. <laughs> He'd fit right in with Red Bull, wouldn't he? <laughs> Wasn't me. Wasn't my fault. Yeah. So, yes, I agree with you. I think that that whole thing, initially I looked at it and I thought that is great gamesmanship by Lewis. And in hindsight, it's not gamesmanship. All right, let's move on to the race. The race started on a wet track, which always negates the tire strategy from the day before with the softs and the hards and so forth in qualifying. But of course, the start was a bit of a chaotic start with Bottas sliding into Norris and Stroll into Leclerc, taking out basically Bottas, Leclerc, Stroll, and Perez was out a little later in that and lap. And Norris, exactly. So that was a lot of cars out. And then another red flag. Again, a lot of red flags this year. But the second start, what did you think of just having Lewis out on, on the starting grid and everyone else pulling into the pits? First, I have to say, this race ranks up there with the greatest races of all time, right. in my mind. Right. Sure, it might have something to do with the fact of just circumstance of Bottas pulling a rookie mistake and driving into the back of somebody, mm -hmm. creating a chain reaction and taking out a bunch of the contenders mm -hmm. and, and damaging the leader of the championship. But at the same time, it really highlighted so many wonderful things. And seeing Lewis pop up on the starting grid by himself yep. <laughs> was... I, I, have you ever seen anything like that? I, I mean, it's bizarre. Oh, absolutely. No, the closest thing would be the six, the six starting cars in the U.S. a few years ago during that tire debacle where the Michelins couldn't run, so the Bridgestones... The whole starting grid, yeah, though. But this was just Lewis on the... On right. the start, and I thought that he might have enough time to pit and get out in front, but obviously that was not the case. 
again, another case of him coming through the field. And then the second start, incredible. Latifi and Russell and Schumacher right into the top 10 yes. <laughs> to start the race. And I really liked the commentary from the pit lane people that they then switched to after the red flag to the regular Crofty and this week Nico. And this week I turned off the commentary. It does not turn off the radio messages. I was a bit concerned about that, but I got sick of Crofty screaming about possible passes and so forth and all that kind of nonsense. So I just turned it off and I didn't miss it whatsoever. <laughs> Interesting. And Nico, who's always driven me absolutely crazy. No, I shouldn't say that. I was a big fan when he was racing. Mm -hmm. His commentary is always really grated with me. And for whatever reason, I quite enjoyed it, this race and his input. It was all valid. Yes. And there wasn't any backside licking like there normally is by him. Oh, yeah? Or Really? Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the commentary this time. The performances were epic. The way right. that Alonzo held everybody off. Just insane. With, with clearly a, a better car than he's had in the past. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that after the restart, Russell had to give some places back because he passed some people in the pit lane during when they switched the tires but that seemed to work perfectly fine he gave the places back and Alcon obviously led and led the entire race didn't he unless maybe during pit stops that switch but no i think he led flag to flag yeah which is very impressive obviously this course is difficult to pass we saw that very much with Verstappen trying to get past Mick Schumacher yes <laughs> obviously Yas uh, sorry uh, not Yas Max had lost lost a lot of his car so his downforce was down but that was pretty interesting and I expected Hamilton just to come rattling through the field mm -hmm. when you know he went in for his tire change and he didn't no he had he had difficulty all the way through the field, which I know this is putting the cart way before the horse, but has me looking at this race for the first time and being totally unable to pick a, a driver of the day because there were so many spectacular drives. I, I think there are <laughs> five true. spectacular drives, or maybe even more. You know, Yuki Yuki Sonoda finishing where he did in sixth position. Right. I mean, oh my good lord, that's just brilliant. Good for him. And Alonso was reminded me of the golden days of when they allowed drivers to drive mm. beside each other and, and fill the track. Yeah, that's what I was thinking during that battle. I was thinking, did Lewis not get the memo? Just pass Alonso on the outside, make Alonso push him off, and then Alonso will get a penalty. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> yeah. they raced properly. I know Lewis complained a touch, but he often does that. And in retrospect, he reduced that complaint. I know when you're in the car and you can't see everything and someone sort of goes into you, you, you can have a little bit of a complaint. But, you know, he's not doing it after the race for very long. And he's not doing it for two weeks after, unless he was a Red Bull driver, in which case it would go on and on and on. So... <laughs> Oh my God, he he did that calmly and coolly, and it was entirely tactical. Yeah. In the off chance that maybe the FIA, who's been very very penalty happy these days, would slap one on Alonso. Sure. But thankfully, they didn't. Yeah. And Russell showed a lot of teamwork by just saying he'd sacrifice himself for Latifi doing better. Didn't have to do it, but that was nice to hear. But uh, that battle between Lewis and Alonso was definitely the highlight for me of the race and of the season, basically. 
And I wish that, again, Alonso was in a Mercedes or a Red Bull, something like that. Battling Lewis and Max all the time, that would be top drawer Formula One, <laughs> right? So we saw that. So that was very, very nice. And Ocon being very mature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and once Lewis... Ocon was very mature and he was supposed to be in... He was originally announced to have the Bottas seat, which then they pulled to throw Vettel right, in, the, right. in the chair. and. I think that look what they would have had. Mm -hmm. well, that's the thing. There's a lot of great drivers now, just not enough great seats at the moment. For me, once Lewis got by Science, so towards the end of the race, Alonso held him up. Then he got by Science, and then he was up onto Vettel and Ocon very, very quickly, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> so definitely. Alonso and Ocon together basically won that race for Alpine. Holding off Lewis was key to Ocon winning the race, but obviously not the only reason that Ocon won. He won because he led from the start, from the second restart, and he never made a mistake. He never, you know, other than Vettel possibly getting by him during the pit stops, but he had a slightly longer stop. So it was great. And it was great to see his reaction to his victory and Russell and Latifi. They were very, very happy. <laughs> Their first points, yes. Yeah. So both the Williams and the points was great. You know, one of the first words out of Esteban Ocon's mouth was thank you to Fernando, which is more than due. Mm -hmm. Mazza spin did quite well. He finished uh, maybe 14th. He, he was ahead of Norris and Bottas and Perez, Leclerc and Stroll. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's when they don't finish, but... <laughs> He's technically uh, 14th of the DNF, so Schumacher beat him again, <laughs> which is no surprise. The whole race, the whole race from start to finish had me glued. And there were so many great, great events. Mm -hmm. And I think coming back to what you're saying about so many great drivers and not enough seats. One yeah. of the things I noticed in qualifying was the bottom five of the top 10 were all different teams. Mm -hmm. Spectacular. The competition with the rest of the teams is so wonderful. Right. And I think that's taken F1 into a place that is back where it should be, which is it's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hopefully with the new rules, at least even if there's a few teams way out in front with the new downforce rules, I really do hope that we do see more dicing and more racing because it is a racing series after all. So it's been a struggle to get them there. And we see bits of it in races like this, right? Where yeah. it's just such a great race and everyone loves it and minimal penalty handing outs too, which was nice for a change. I know that Bottas and Stroll have grid penalties for the next race. What is your feeling on that? I mean, I thought it was kind of sad that we saw graphics on screen say announcing that incidents are not under investigation. Like it's become so bad that it's like every little thing is okay. We're going to say we're not investigating that. We're not investigating that. Yes, Bottas made a mistake, Stroll as well, but they happen. I, I, I don't know. If it's over and over again, like Bottas is not known for that. So I'm a little bit like, do they have to penalize every, even a mistake? Like a one-off mistake has to be penalized? I'm not so sure. I'm really ticked that Vettel had his second pulled away because he didn't have a full liter of yes. fuel. Yes. I think the FIA is going too far. I think they've taken it to the point where it's the letter of the law and they're almost bragging like we know every single rule in the book and we're going to bust you on all of them. 
there's a certain gray area that needs to be taken into consideration. If Seb finishes in second place, the amount of dollars that come with those points to Aston Martin are immense, and now they're just ripping them away, and they're handing them to... To Lewis. Right. Right. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then fourth place gets... Uh, bumped up to third so and Ferrari really science. needs the money yes the penalties have just gotten out of hand is in my mind yeah I mean if there's a violation which there was they're appealing it and from what I've read they were very concerned about fuel so sure there's a violation but to completely disqualify him is just too much in MotoGP when you have a, a false start right when you start before the lights go off you used to have a penalty where you'd have to go through the pits and that would basically destroy your entire race you'd lose 20 to 30 seconds now they've replaced it with a long lap penalty where there's a slight on the track there's an extra corner on a corner on top of a corner that they have to oh, take great idea yeah so they take that they lose a couple positions or whatever it is where you know depending on the race and then they they go back into the flow and continue racing so with Vettel, we saw him race the entire race, and then he's disqualified. You can give him a penalty, give him a demote him down a spot or something, but to completely disqualify him is ridiculous. It really is. Because he was short a, a beer can full of, of fuel. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like BAR a few years ago where they had a secret hidden fuel tank and all this kind of stuff, right? Get get your, right. your place in order right. here. Like, yeah. get your penalties in order so people aren't complaining about them so much and there's all these appeals and so forth. So Having been involved in all kinds of racing in the past, not just car racing, but other racing, there's, there's this strange community of power-hungry people at the top. Mm. From the lowest end of, of racing, amateur racing, all the way up, yep. that are just so proud that they're the clerk of the course, mm. or whatever they are, and they walk around with their nose in the air so high, if it rains, right. they're going to drown. <laughs> Is that what we've moved back to in Formula One? Maybe. Yeah, it looks like it. Because whenever they talk to Massey, he just says, Rules are fine. Penalties are great. We're not going to review anything, you know? So it's not the greatest uh, atmosphere. No. So getting back to your difficulty of driver of the race, so who do you have as your candidates? Well, I mean, Ocon for his tenacity and his ability to hold it all together with somebody like Vettel on his backside. Mm -hmm. Vettel as well, who all of a sudden has got his mojo back. Mm -hmm. Lewis Hamilton, I'm just going through the grid here. Lewis Hamilton, who, who came from the back, yes. who got completely messed up at the start because he was the only <laughs> one that started. Carlos Sainz, he doesn't belong ahead of Leclerc. He's ahead of Le Leclerc. Nick went down. Fernando Alonso. I mean, sorry. No, you know what? I've got to go with Alonso. Yeah. What he did was epic. Yeah, I'm going with Alonso as well. Yeah, that battle with, with Lewis was great. Everything he did was he waited for Ocon at the end and congratulated him, showing some team spirit, which is very nice. It was great to hear Ocon say, you know, I heard all these things about Fernando, but he's great. <laughs> you know, we work well together and so forth. So that's really good to hear. Maybe Alonso's just matured. He's gone to other team sports where he's actually had to be a, a team driver in Le Mans, where he's got other guys that are in the car. And maybe it's just completely altered him. I think it has. I think he isn't. I think he probably was the uh, pariah. He also said IndyCar was a much more relaxed atmosphere as well. 
I find that everyone who leaves the top category, so in Formula One or MotoGP, when they go to IndyCar or Superbike, they're like, wow, the paddock is very different. So much more relaxed, so much less tension and so forth. So I'm sure that was a factor as well. And I think the, the drivers, at least the way they interact with each other these days, they seem to be taking it easier. Less, There's less hatred between them. Even Lewis and Max, I mean, we can talk about Christian Horner and the management there versus Mercedes management, but I don't really care about that. They're obviously not on good terms, but Max and Lewis, even after all this, they're in better terms than, say, Senna would have been or Prost would have been in that kind of situation, right? <laughs> no kidding. Rating the race, I'm guessing you're giving this one a very high rating. What are you giving it? Out of 10, I give it 12. Yeah. I, I give it a 10. Out, I give it a 10 out of 10. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it. Some younger guys and some older guys mm -hmm. showing their skills. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was grand. And there was the, the racing was close but fair for the most part too, right? Mm -hmm. And Mick Schumacher, I know, he, I know Max had a damaged car, but he held him off for quite a while. And so did Ricardo. He held them off for quite a while as well. So they were all very good drives. I'm going to give it an 8. It's still not perfect for me, but I'm going to give it an 8. Should we move on to news, or is there anything else about the race? I was going to say I was going to drop it down because of that penalty to Seb, which really pissed me off. But yeah, yeah let's move on to news. All right, there's not too much for, for me in news other than I saw someone say Red Bull gives you whinge <laughs> instead of wings. Because <laughs> I just went on. So the last two weeks of news have been Red Bull screaming about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I just think it's way over the top. And it, it again, reminds me of when they couldn't get an engine or they were fearful of an engine. They're screaming about quitting the, the sport and everything. They just don't conduct themselves very well. But I guess the management doesn't care and they don't see it that way. We know that Vettel's penalty is under appeal. I don't know if that'll go anywhere. Probably not. And back to the Red Bull thing. Horner said that Mercedes is being antagonistic, but I found that hilarious after two weeks of crying about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> and then finally, uh, there's a Schumacher documentary coming out on Netflix. Obviously, Michael, not Mick. I just hope it's not as terrible as the Senna documentary. I don't have any other information about it, though. Hey, there were people who loved that documentary. I know that. I get attacked every time I say that was a terrible documentary. And then I explain why I found it a terrible documentary. And they're like, okay, yep, those are good points. But I still really like it. <laughs> so I was not one of them. What are your key points? For Senna's documentary? Yeah, for not liking it. Ayrton Senna, or Ayrton Senna, if you want to pronounce it properly, was one of our, or one of Formula One's greatest drivers. I think he's always in the top five of everyone's list, I would say. And so they make a documentary about him, and we learn nothing about how he drove, why he was so fast, and why he was so controversial. They did talk about some of the controversy, but they lightened it up quite a lot, particularly in Japan. Not when Prost ran into Senna, but the next year when Senna ran into Prost and deliberately just ran right into him off the start. Nigel Roebuck said that everyone in McLaren was disappointed in Ayrton except for Ron Dennis, and that never made the documentary. Like, stuff like that, like real story good stuff. And the thing is, it was sanctioned by the Senna family, 
the Schumacher documentary is sanctioned by the Schumacher family. So that makes me think, yeah, it's got a chance of not being very good. But the chief, so there's no information about, or very little information about why he was such a great driver. And then they made him look like a naive little kid being preyed upon by all the evil people around him. Like, oh, Prost was just terrible to him and you know, all this kind of stuff. And I thought Senna was just as political as any other driver. And he knew how to manipulate the situation very, very easily. So I just thought it was, I liked the footage. But other than that, it didn't tell me anything new about Ayrton Senna. And I have no idea. I do know why he was a great driver through other people talking about him, but not the documentary. What about you? It was just too reality TV for me. It was built to be an ice road truckers. Right. right. So Marsha and, and Bob could watch it right. together. It's not... Yeah. They wanted to appeal to a wider audience, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's fine. You can have some of that stuff in there, but why leave out these, like, why is this guy so famous? We're not going to talk about that. Right. Other than he was fast. Yeah, he was really fast. <laughs> no. Whereas we saw that uh, Driver 61 uh, little profile on Senna, right? And you learn a little bit more about him. And that was, I learned more about that in 15 minutes in the entire documentary. Yes. Very disappointed about that. All right, John, anything else? Uh, summer break. No summer break. And next race is one of our best circuits, Spa. So looking forward to that. My favorite. Nothing comes close. That's my track. Right. My favorite track. Rob, have a great summer. And we'll talk at the end of summer. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.